Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And you see here in the words of verse 17, the shepherds came and drove them away but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flocks. So now again, Moses' sense of justice triggers inside of him and he stands up and he confronts the shepherds and he helps these daughters, the priest of Midian, and waters their flock. So here Moses is like Jacob, who also helped Rachel by that time, uh, Jacob rolled the stone away from the well's mouth so that he could water the flock that uh, Rachel had. But what we're talking about here is the gift that Moses had from God. He just could not help himself but to see the underdog, to feel the pain of the underdog, to stand up for the underdog, to confront the oppressor and help the underdog. That was Moses. That's what he had inside of him. And that's the passion that will also drive Moses to want to return to Egypt to free the underdog, which in this case was his own people, enslaved Israelites. Now, from verse 18, we see that this man, the priest of Midian, had seven daughters, and they just left Moses at the well after he did that. See, in verse 18, when they came to Reuel, their father, he said, how is it that you come so soon today? That must have been a, and then he asked them, why did you leave him at the well? It must have been a very lonely time for Moses. Can you imagine? I mean, he did this for the first Hebrew in the first way, and what thanks did he get? He gets reported, perhaps, to everybody that he has killed an Egyptian. He does this for the other Hebrews fighting together, and what thanks does he get? He gets, a, he gets it right in his teeth. Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? He does this now for the daughters, and what thanks did he get? I don't know if they got any thanks at all. They just left him there, so much so that the father was surprised. So it must have been a really lonely time, a really hard time for Moses. I mean, and you know, when he was back in Egypt, that cost him something. It cost him his uh, Egyptian, uh, you might say his citizenship. I mean, he made enemies from the Egyptians. It cost him something here in his new place in the land of Midian. He had just made enemies of the shepherds, and those that he'd help, well, they're just off. So that seemed to be for Moses just a repeat of what had happened back in Egypt. These shepherds were like the Egyptians. They were now his enemies. The daughters were like the Hebrews with the who made thee a judge and a ruler over us. Very, very hard time for Moses. We can feel his loneliness. We can feel his sense that he's being isolated there and he sits down isolated. We can imagine Moses wondering, what is ever gonna happen to me? 
But Moses did not know. He did not know how God was already taking care of him because when those daughters came back so soon in verse 18, their father begins to ask questions that will turn to benefit Moses and bring him home. So from their reply, it's interesting in verse 19, when the daughters reply to their father, they call Moses an Egyptian, delivered us up out of the hands of the Hebrews and drew water for us. Then God worked in the heart of the father in verse 20, and he said unto them, where is he? Why is it that you've left the man? Call him that he made bread. So from verse 20, we can see how, again, it's emphasized that Moses was just left there at the well when he said, how is it that you have left the man? And when their father told them to return and called them, they must have found Moses just where they left him at that well. Probably didn't know where to go, what to do. And so in verse 21 is really the beginning of a turning point for Moses. It's really a turning point for Moses when it says in verse 21, Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter. So now Moses finally finds a home where he's welcomed, and he can now relax. It says he's content in the home of this priest of Midian. Those words, Moses was content to dwell with the man. Those are very, very important words because they tell us that finally Moses has emerged from this life of internal conflict and turmoil. You know, before this, when Moses was living in the Pharaoh's palace, we know, as we've studied from Hebrews 11, 24 through 25, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So what we know from those verses about Moses' life is that there were two factors in Moses' life in the palace that just irritated Moses. They got under his skin. They took away his peace. They left him disturbed and tormented, so much so that he was in constantly in no peace, and he was disturbed in the palace because first, it was where Moses was, with a title that took all his peace away, Whenever Moses was introduced to someone, Moses was introduced, and here is Moses, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Whenever Moses was referred to, he was referred to as Moses, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he just couldn't stand it any longer. He couldn't take it any longer. He was not, in his mind, an Egyptian. He was a Hebrew. He wanted to be a Hebrew. He did not want to be referred to as the adopted Egyptian, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't want it anymore. So when it says in verse 21 that Moses was content to dwell with the man, it means that in this man's house, Moses would never be referred to as the daughters referred to him, and that must have irritated him. In verse 19, as an Egyptian, it means that in this man's house, Moses would never be referred to as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And from this great relief to no longer being called an Egyptian or worse, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, Moses was now free and Moses found contentment. And second, it was where Moses was not. He was not with the Hebrews. 
He was not with the people of God when he was in the palace. And Moses was not even, even now, he was not yet with the people of God. But at least now, Moses has found a little hiding place. Moses has found a little sanctuary. Moses has found a little home in a strange land, and he will stay in this man's home for 40 years. And this will become a very valuable time in Moses' life. Egypt was a noisy place. Egypt with the business of the palace, and Moses was occupied with his military education and all the duties that he had being heir to become the next Pharaoh as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But now it's all changed now. It's all different. And here in Midian, it's quiet for Moses, especially as he goes on to the backside of the desert to feed these sheep. And Moses will learn here how to talk to God. He will learn in this state of quietness how to hear God. And so we see in verse 21 to 22 that the man, it says, he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I've been a stranger in a strange land. So Moses gets a wife, Zipporah, and Moses gets a son. And we might think that now that Moses has gotten a wife, and now he'll be happy, and now he'll, he'll find peace. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. I still remember when the um, sister of Barbara Streisand was interviewed, she said, oh, I hope that Barbara at last will find happiness and peace. It kind of reminds me a little bit now because you think, well, Moses has a wife now, he's got a son, so maybe at last now he'll find happiness and peace. And the wife gives him a son, and we might think that now that Moses has a son, he's gonna be happy, he's gonna find peace. But something occurs, and it's, it's in this name that Moses gives to his son that really reveals the heart of Moses. Verse 22, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. So we find here that Moses, he didn't go to a book of baby names to find a cute-sounding name for his son. Moses gave a lot of thought to the name that he chooses for his son. This wasn't an off-the-cuff type name. And Moses chooses a very special name for his son with, for a very pressing reason that caused him to choose that name for the son. And the name that Moses chooses for his son is, as we see, the name Gershom. Moses chooses his name Gershom for his son because this name expressed the deep feeling in Moses' heart. The name Gershon is what Moses wants to say about himself. Gershom is like a confession of Moses' heart. So to understand what Moses is communicating and understand how Moses is feeling, we need to know exactly what does the name Gershom mean. Now, the name Gershom means foreigner or refugee, but Gershom is a very graphic word because the Hebrew root for the word Gershom comes from the root word garash. And garash means in Hebrew to drive out or to expel or to thrust out or to divorce. In fact, it is translated as divorced in the Bible. 
So the root of the word Gershom means to be driven or thrust out as when an angry husband who wants to divorce his wife drives or thrusts her out of his home. And that wife can say when she's been thrust out and thrown out of the house, she can say, Gershom, I've been driven or thrust out of my home. That's the root word behind Gershom. That's the root meaning of the word Gershom. And this is the meaning that Moses wants to express in the naming of his son when he names him Gershom. So we can ask the question, why would Moses choose a name like this? It's such a a strong name. It's such a rough name for a son as Gershom. And so Moses goes on to elaborate and to explain to us why, what he meant by naming his son Gershom. And Moses' explanation for why he has chosen this very strong name for a son Gershom is found in verse 22 when he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. So what Moses is saying here is, I named the boy thrust out as in divorced away because I've been thrust out or divorced away from my people. And now I find myself a stranger, a foreigner in a strange land. And that's one rough name for one little boy. You picture going to the little boy, say, hi, little little fella, what's your name? My name is thrust out as a divorced woman is thrust out of her house. Oh, you say to the boy, was that both your mom and dad's idea to name you just, name you that, or was that just your mom's idea or just your dad's idea? And the little boy said, that was just my dad who named me that. And then we'd ask the question, why did your father give you that name? And the little boy says, because my dad wanted everyone to know that he had been thrust out from his own people and that he ended up being a refugee in a foreign country. So that's a very strong message that Mr. Moses here is sending to the world through the naming of his son Gershom because Moses felt so much like he was thrust out or divorced away from his own people into being a stranger in a strange land that Moses wanted to memorialize this so that even after Moses died, the memorialization of his feeling through the name of his son Gershom would go on continuing to speak of how Moses felt. I wonder how Moses' wife felt, Zipporah, about this, giving her son this name. I wonder if she and Moses had the uh, what am I chopped liver type of conversations. You know, I wonder if she said to Moses, don't I get to say so in the naming of our son? Well, whatever conversation took place between Moses and Zipporah, the boy ends up with the name Gershom, poor kid. But the name Gershom is also very important. It's important for us because it gives us an insight into the heart of this man who God said was the meekest man on the earth, God said is my friend, and God defended even against Moses' own sister and brother later on, we're gonna see. So the name Gershom is a life confession for Moses. The name Gershom not only describes the history of Moses' life up to this point, being there in the land of Midian, 
But the name Gershom is like a prophecy for the future of Moses' life. All of Moses' life can be summed up with the word Gershom. Moses could say about himself, just call me Moses the Gershom. The name Gershom is a good description of the way Moses just felt his whole life on earth was. I mean, throughout his life, Moses felt like Gershom. Moses the Gershom, ever the one being thrust out and ending up as a stranger in a strange land. Moses could say, just look at my name, Moses. Not even a Hebrew name, an Egyptian name. Why? Because I was the Gershom, the one thrust out by my people and living as a stranger in a strange land of Egypt. Moses felt like Gershom when he lived in Pharaoh's court, a stranger in a strange land. He said, he would say, I'm no son of Pharaoh's daughter, till finally the Egyptians thrust him out. Moses felt like Gershom living in a stranger in a strange land with this pagan priest now in Midian. And Moses felt like Gershom living with his wife, Zipporah, who hardly understood anything about the circumcision as we'll see later on. And after Moses rejoins his people and leads them, we'll see many times when his own people wanted to kill Moses. And during those times, Moses, even among his own people, Moses felt like Gershom, a stranger in a strange land. So Gershom for Moses is really like a sigh, a continual sigh of Moses' life. We we could call it the Gershom sigh of Moses' life. And whenever Moses really took a good look at this God-rejecting world that he was in and everything that this God-rejecting world was offering to Moses, all his temporary glamour, its tinsel, and his temporary riches, Moses would think, this world really doesn't have anything of interest to me. And Moses would give out his Gershom side. And whenever Moses saw the bold, God-defiant, rebellious sins among the Jewish people and the Gentiles, Moses would feel like he didn't really belong among people, whether Jew or Gentile, who didn't love God. And in those times, Moses would breathe out his Gershom sigh again. And Moses died Finally, and with a final Gershom sigh, and God heard so many times when Moses breathed out this Gershom sigh. And so for his final hours on earth, God and Moses take a walk, and they walk up a hill called Mount Nebo, and that's where God shows him two promised lands. The first promised land in Canaan that he would not enter into, and the promised land of heaven that he would enter into, and that's where Moses breathed out his last Gershom sigh when he died and God buried his body. But Moses' trademark of this Gershom sigh was not only the trademark of Moses, the Gershom sigh is the trademark of every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, or it should be, because it describes Moses and others who died in faith in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, where it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That means they all had the trademark Gershom sigh. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek 
a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. See, everyone, everyone who yearns for God, who really wants God from his heart, the righteous and holy God, and he's yearning for it. He looks at the sin in this world. He looks at the world, what the world finds acceptable, which is not at all acceptable with God. And that believer breathes out, like Moses, the Gershom sigh. And God heard the Gershom sigh of Moses. And God hears everyone who breathes out a Gershom sigh. And he's prepared a place for Moses and for all who breathe this Gershom sigh. He says he's prepared a place for them, which he calls in his father's house in John 14. Now we read in verse 23, and it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Notice how it says in verse 23 that there was in the process of time. That's a great phrase. That's an important phrase. The process of time. It teaches us that time is a process the process of time. How long was the time? Acts 7.30 tells us. And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness in Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush, which we'll read about in the next chapter. So the time period here, this process of time, the amount of time is 40 years. And what process happened during that 40-year period? Number one, in Egypt, we're told that the king of Egypt died. Okay, number two, with Moses, Moses felt more and more out of place, more and more separated from his Jewish people that he knew he was called to deliver. And for the Jewish people, the process of time was also working with them because the process over this 40-year period was to make the Jewish people feel their bondage more and more untenable, more and more severe. Their process of time made their bondage feel more and more long. And it was clear to them as they looked at this that there was no way out of their bondage. They were in despair. They had no hope. So that now they're really crying out to God because of the process of time. All of that happened over the process of time. The process of time brought about a humility in Moses. When Moses was in Egypt, he thought that he was a somebody. But after 40 years in Midian, Moses had developed into a humble man because of the process of time. The process of time brought about this humility in Moses. But the process of time also brought about a humility in the Jewish people as now they are crying to God. God uses a process of time to, as he humbled Moses, as he humbled the Jewish people, and he uses the process of time to humble us. And that's described for us in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7, where we read, God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. 
casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. First, we're told a principle in verse five. God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 